0: Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua and I call myself the Inclusive Workplace Wellness Advocate. I know it has been a while since I've been live. But then again, you know, when you save that sweetness and that good, you know, impactful, inspiring conversation, you know, I will bring something. And this time I have a few guests joining. But I also wanted to share my screen because today's topic will be about, and let me share my screen. Today's topic will be about the great resignation. Um, I assume that left and right, you must have found so many information about people leaving, people having enough time to leave. And we are going to delve in with with the guest speakers of today. We are going to delve into this topic because know what? The great resignation is here to stay. And we are going to have a conversation about what employees can do, what employers can do to prevent this from happening or recognizing the science, right? So um, there is this great research that Microsoft did, the global research, international research. And the discovering was, the discovering, um, the result was that 41% of your team members, are thinking about leaving within one, six months. So think again, let that ponder, let that marinate. If 41% of your team will leave today, what would you do? Instead of making it only the Vivian show, let me bring my guest speakers for today up and I'm going to properly introduce them. So first up is uh, uh, CC well, I call her Cecilia, that's her name, but <laughs> she you want CC is the founder, Cecilia is the founder and managing partner of the Entrepreneur CFO, and she's a professional global advisor, she has a professional global advisory firm, and also know that she is the author of dear accountant Mm -hmm. and next up is denise cooper uh i really had a good conversation with denise cooper who has her own podcast definitely listen to that as well and she's the founder and ceo of remarkable leadership lessons she's also a published author and acclaimed speaker as well and i think i see mark joining in right now so let me bring up his bio as well um, Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, an essential skills for success that no one taught you. And he's also an MIT instructor. Welcome, everybody. So the first question that I want to ask you, Cece, is uh, why do we need to humanize the workplace?
1: Wow, I think, why haven't we been mm. humanized the workplace? It's kind of like my intuition intuitive response to this question, right? Um, I think, you know, like, I think, yeah, why haven't we? It's so important to, like, I'm so glad that we talk about this now more often because, you know, finally we are, it's so sad to say, finally we're seen as human to be treated like human, right? To address our, our needs and not be treated just like, you know, like, okay, you pay me in exchange, my time and my work, right? But really, I think it's, it's a mutual relationship mm-hmm. uh, you know like company invests in you you bring your allow you to bring your best self to work bring your whole self to work which in turn you know help the company grow I think uh, to me it's just a win-win situation I don't know why we haven't been doing that
0: you tell me <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: handing the mic over to Denise why do we need to humanize the workplace what's your take on that well, I, um, <laughs> at CC, asked the right question. Why haven't we mm-hmm. thought of this before? And you know, all great
2: ideas are like the VA moment, right? You're sitting mm-hmm. there and suddenly poof, it blows your mind and whatnot. But I think the big issue is, is that for most part, HR hasn't really changed for about a hundred years. It's designed to be a, a function that really protects leaders from bad managers, you know, the corporation, excuse me, from bad managers. And so the structure is really a process oriented thing. So we hire people, we try to keep them in there, the books get wherever the books are. And, you know, in the mid eighties, nineties, we started using um, people as assets and capital. And so we started balancing the book. Um, And I'll tell you, you know, having been in HR for 25 years that I admit to, it's really hard for managers, anybody to fire anybody. Mm. And so to be able to even step into that, you've got to have a level of disconnect with your employees, with mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. Um, and you know, we do the bell curve every year and um, that means 50% of employees, managers are underperforming. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have that hard conversation of, well, if 50% are underperforming, what potential are we not accessing? Hmm. So I think it has a lot, the reason we haven't thought about it up until now is um, we, we just, it's really a hard conversation to be able to talk to people like people and to figure out this idea of fairness versus equity or fairness Mm -hmm. and equity. Um, And, you know, just the, the way we load up people in the workplace with, did you deliver results? Did you deliver results? Did you deliver results? Yeah. Looking at the outputs but not necessarily the inputs that get us to
0: the outputs. I love that. I love what you said. Looking at the output, not looking at the input. People, we need some ingredients to motivate the people in the workplace. So definitely love that. Thank you, Denise. And Mark, what's your take on why do we need to humanize the workplace?
3: We suffer from the street lamp effect. Mm. People measure what's easy to measure. And that Mm -hmm. includes number of units sold, that includes return on capital, revenue, and that's what we focused on, that's what Wall Street focuses on.
0: Mm.
3: Human capital is not as easy to measure. It's harder to assess capabilities of any individual, let alone an organization, so we have ignored that type of assessment, we haven't made it that important, and Wall Street doesn't reward that, because Wall Street rewards quarterly returns, typically human capital investment that is a long-term investment that will yield dividends months to years down the road. So there is little capability and little incentive to focus on that. As Denise said, we can focus on the output. How many things did we sell? We can focus a little on the input when we can measure it. I can invest a billion dollars in a plant knowing that this will increase my efficiency 10% and therefore I'll produce more units. It's harder to say if I put X dollars into people this is how it's going to help my productivity 18 months down the road. And so we've ignored it because it's a hard problem.
0: Mm, I like that also. But um, it comes to mind that we are not, humans are not a plus plus one situation where you you put two and two things together and you get the outcome would be two or maybe three, right? And especially when it comes to engagement, um, you need to put an effort in as an employer as a manager engage to receive a similar effect right that's at least my my take on that so i'm curious because in the beginning i talked about the great resignation and i highlighted you know where it came from but um what is the valuable lesson and i'll start with you denise what is the valuable lesson that you learned from all this talk about the great resignation, which I see as the war for talent before the lockdown, but it's much worse now.
2: Well, I, I think the the lesson is pretty easy. Um, shutting down the entire world. Mm. There were some companies that survived. There were yeah. some companies that thrived and there's some companies that just don't exist anymore. Mm. And if you look at many of the companies that, that, thrived or survived, they were able to take their people, take their ideas and pivot. Mm -hmm. They understood. And I I hear Mark saying it's a difficult problem to measure. I think it's a difficult problem to measure because we haven't asked the questions. Mm -hmm. I've worked in companies, I've worked in roles where we actually could measure the input of what people do and what that does to the bottom line. It takes rethinking yeah. how we look at what outputs actually look like and what that means. And I think to some extent, it means that we, we have to change the way we speak with, teach, and, and, and look for from leaders in terms of what is it that we're actually looking for. And part of that conversation has to be growing the capacity of the organization to adapt, change, and respond to market conditions in general. And so if we're not asking those kinds of questions, if we're not asking about what's the capacity of people to change as our development of an organization, as our culture, to help them figure out how to change, then I think Wall Street needs to ask different questions. And, and I will even say that many people on Wall Street, many fund managers on Wall Street are not asking those tough questions and causing um, you know, fund their fund the people they fund um, and manage their portfolio managers to start asking those kinds of questions and i think that's been the thing that we we're going to see coming out of this that is going to be a big question in terms of you know markets do not like surprises they react really bad <laughs> to the unpredictable i love that i love <laughs> what you And i you're think one of the that things there. that they're that these folks on wall street that the shareholders etc are starting to look for are how can we ensure that as the world shifts, as change continues, how are we, how are you ensuring your organization from a growing your capacity to adapt, change, and react? I mm. think that's going to be the new
0: question. Love that. Mark, what's your take on that, on, on the lessons that you have learned from the great Resignation.
3: I think there's a larger lesson we are just starting to wake up to as a society, which is thinking about careers. Mm. We have done this poorly for the past hundred plus years. We say to our students, oh, are you interested in the body? Maybe you should be a doctor. Are you interested in drawing? Consider a career in graphic design. We just say, here is some particular piece of knowledge and here is a job that uses that knowledge. And that's how we teach people to think about their careers. What we are starting to see and what better people have done, but it's rare in schools, is people to ask, what do I want? Not just mechanically, do I want to work in medicine or graphic Mm -hmm. design? but What do I want in life? What work-life balance do we want? And people have bantered around that question a little bit, but it was never asked in seriousness. You never had a lot of options for doing that. And so people are asking, what is the work-life balance? How much time do I work while I work from home? How much time do I want on the road? How much does money matter versus other attributes versus support and culture in my company? And so we as a society, and when I say we, I mean most probably Western nations are waking up and saying, what is it? that I am trying to achieve with my career. And so I think the labor force and hopefully upcoming generations will really take to these questions that won't just be momentary, but it will be a shift in how we think about our careers and really society at large.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing and, and Cece.
1: Yeah, my lessons are very similar to Mark and Denise as well. I think one of the very obvious one is to be able to see the real strength and resilience of a company. Mm-hmm. So usually people is like, oh yeah, what's, what's, what's the value of investing in our people? Well, because they get, get, get through tough time with you, you mm-hmm. see how, you know, so this is kind of the results of it. You see like some company just like crumble and failed. So that's like that. That's one of it, and I think yeah. The the other the other thing is uh, kind of like Mark talked about. Besides survival, which is like for the most part what we've been doing. Like now we have the options. Like we have the we, we have time to think about what we really wanted to do. Like what is the purpose and mission of our life? That kind of thing. I think it's exactly what we've been talking about. Kind of wake up, wake us up to really reevaluate our life. What do we want to do besides work and just survive? Yeah.
0: I like that, I like that. And also it got me thinking uh, while you were talking, all of you were talking, it got me thinking regarding diversity, right? Because um, there's a lot of talk when it comes to diversity, mm-hmm. but then and inclusion as well. But then again, this great resignation is also set, telling a story about how inclusion works or how it isn't working for a company and I noticed that you know there's a lot of talk a lot of commitments being shared online and companies or leaders or managers not walking that talk still not realizing how important inclusion is it's you know you can hire different people but if you don't have a culture or have a system in in place where Mm -hmm. people can feel like they belong can feel part of of the company or feel like their voice matter or what they their ideas matter then what's the what's what's the point in hiring all these people if they are going to leave within five months or even six months right so thank you thank you for sharing and i'll start with uh with you uh mark because uh you have a book you have your book the career toolkit and regarding those who are pondering about you know, Shall I Stay? Shall I Go Now? It's that song, that song from the 90s. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not a singer. But if you want to look it up, look up, uh, Shall I Stay or Shall I Go Now? It's a song from the 90s. And um, this lockdown, this pandemic gave a lot of people to think, rethink their career, rethink the choices that they have made. What advice or tips would you share to those who are thinking about changing positions in the company or outside of the company, or maybe even changing companies?
3: Too many people are just focusing on leaving where they are today. They Mm. are moving from, not moving to. Mm. I don't like my current situation, I'm out of here. You always want to be going to a destination, not from a destination in life. And so it's important to think ahead Say, where do I want to go? Both in your next job, I want a job that maybe it pays more money, or maybe I have a more supportive manager, or maybe it has better work-life balance or gives me certain challenges. But also think ahead. I grew up as a competitive chess player, so I was always trained, think multiple moves ahead. Mm. Don't just focus on this next job. Think about where you want to be in five or ten years and how this next job is going to take you towards that ultimate goal. So think a few moves ahead and have a clear goal in mind. Don't just think about, I don't like where I am.
0: Mm. That's that's a good one. And I wish I had that advice <laughs> 20 years ago when I started a career and left with that reason saying that I don't want to work here. And then what I noticed when I look back to my career, I noticed that I wasn't closing you know the past but i was bringing it that hurt that pain i was bringing it with me where i noticed that there were some occasions where there were similar situations that if i had dealt with the fact that i want to go forward to something positive something new something better it would have been helpful so setting that attention but also the affirmation within yourself um setting that as a goal i want a better a better career, a, more money, a better work life, uh, work life integration. There's so much more out there. So thank you, Mark, for sharing that. And Cece, mm-hmm. as an as a author of uh, Dear Accountants, mm-hmm. what, what would you say about this topic?
1: Yeah, so I work with a lot of young people and trust me, like I've heard like a dozen times people want to switch jobs and I'm like, where are you going, you know, going to a different firm, same industry. Like, so my my advice usually is, first of all, ask yourself why, why do you want to leave? And also the other question is, can you get what you want, where you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might just take to talk to someone that you trust and get a different perspective. Because as we all know, like, we always think the grass mm-hmm. is greener on the other side, but may mm-hmm. not necessarily, right? And changing jobs is a lot of effort. You know, yeah. while you do a different job, like, it takes time to adapt to a new environment, that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of it, you know? So I want to make sure that they've thought, thought it through and make sure it's worth it. I
0: love that. Thank you. And it seems like today I'm only having authors on the panels because Denise is <laughs> also an author of the remarkable leadership lessons, uh, also valuable to learn. And what, what is your take on this, right? Even though your book is about leadership, but I want to touch on this topic from a self-leadership perspective. What can the people do?
2: Well, I think it's, it's a, you know, first of all, we have to think about ourselves as human beings first. Mm. Um, and all of us are leaders Mm -hmm. you know some of us have a title or role Mm. that defines that we manage resources and time of other individuals but all of us are leaders so that you know let's let's kind of bring it there the other thing is I think both Mark and Cecilia are just brilliant in you know where are you going to stop running from something what is it Mm -hmm. that you want but also it doesn't mean that you have to leave the place that you're at now Um, in terms of you might be able to find what you're looking for. I think the other thing that everyone needs to understand is two points for me. One is um, there's no new, there's no roadmap anymore. Mm -hmm. Up is not always the right way. True. Uh, To be more valuable and to have more flexibility, more influence inside of your organization, which really is what gives us that, that soul happiness kind of thing going on it's really about do i feel like i'm being impactful mm. the way to be impactful is to be able to be influential and to have your ideas adopted or to work with people who see your ideas as very valuable so to that end we need to understand that companies are fluid jobs are fluid and you know sometimes taking a lateral To get the kind of experience in various parts of a business is a good idea. So up is not always the right way to go. The other thing I I would say is that we live in a, we've talked about it for a very long time, that we're in a global society, we're interconnected, et cetera, et cetera. But what that really means in terms of what I need to do every day is to understand how to create connections with Mm -hmm. people who have no reason to have a connection with me, whether it's in my current workplace or outside of it. No matter what, the numbers are still there. I love Indeed. I love all the other places. But the reality is 80% of jobs are found through people you know, through your network. If you have a narrow network that only looks like you, only doing the same things and businesses that are competitive, your options for career change, career growth are limited. The way you want to expand it is you want to expand that network, which is the reason why inclusion on a human point of view, my point of view, small L, point of view is very important because that diversity of people, companies, industries, crafts, et cetera, is how you make a career that is rich because your career is long. It's about legacy, Hmm. it's about impact
0: to other individuals. I love that. What is the question that they can ask themselves? And I'll, I'll go around. What is the question that you would like the individual to ask themselves? Are you waiting me to, to name names? Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> who's on first? I'll start with Denise and I'll come <laughs> to the <look around. laughs>
2: um, I You know, both the questions that, you know, Cece and Mark talked about, what is it that I'm looking for? Mm. To understand that we really have to plan our careers in like two-year, maybe three-year increments. And particularly because, you know, 50% of the workforce is now women. We really need to understand that the importance of where we at in our personal life and how does that integrate into our work life is important. The other side for men, men, this is something brand new for them to start really thinking about not just being the person who brings a paycheck home, but to to be able to have a home and to participate in the home with a meaningful place. And that's new skill development for them. And so I think the question that you want to ask first is, what is it that I want my life to be, look like right now? What is it I need to look for? And to know that my career is long, it's gonna be for 40, 50 years. It will change. You may be, you know, you may be in uh, finance or tech today. I've talked to a woman who, you know, in 2015, she was in finance and tech um, side on that. Now she's in blockchain and FinTech. <laughs> and because it's evolving, it's changing. And we have to understand that opportunities will present themselves, but you've got to know your stuff and you've got to know where you want to go.
0: Thank you. Mark.
3: There are a number of questions I recommend people ask, and I've got about 20 of them listed on the resources page (laughs) of my website, Mm thecareertoolkitbook.com. Certainly the most important is where do you want to be Mm -hmm. in the future? Mm -hmm. But of course, in that is not just, I want this particular job. I want to be the VP of X. But is things like, where do you want to live? How much time do you want to spend at home? A lot of the questions for our career are based around our life and Mm -hmm. our lifestyle. And we have to remember, we can't plan our career in isolation. We can't just say, this is what I want job-wise. We have to say, this is what I want in my life. And then what type of career supports the overall life? That I want.
0: I love the fact that you are yeah. mentioning, you know, um, how much time do I want to spend at home? Because now we have the luxury to work from home. But I know for my friends in the US that commuting two hours is for some people, it's normal. And I'm like, okay, you're losing four hours in your day. And then on top of that, work nine to 10 hours. Where do you rest? Where do you socialize? How do you spend time with your family? So that's a valuable ask to pond on, to, to think about before you look for a new job. Thank you. And Cece?
1: Yeah, I think it's similar to what Denise and Mark talked about already. Like I think the question is like, what, what's important to you? Right. And it's different as you continue to move along. your mm-hmm right? For a single person who started out, you know, fresh grad, it's very different from maybe five years down the road when you have kids, maybe, you know, later, you know, so I think at different stage, you have to ask yourself, like, what's important to you. And also, I think, you know, to take a step further is what, what exactly what you wanted to do? Do you have the well? and also evaluate your skills? Is it mm. transferable?
3: Mm. Right?
1: Because maybe, you know, like you were client facing, when you're a single person, but when you actually be, eventually become a mother, you know, yeah. or parent, you wanted to stay home more. So what can you do with the skills that you already established, right? There's a lot of things that we don't think through, um, but there's a lot of transferable skills and experience that you already have built, which can continue to serve you as you move along. I love
0: that. There's a, There are a lot of skills that we don't realize, but also we have to remind ourselves that 15 years ago or 20 years ago, when I started out in finance, this wasn't possible. The fact that communicating with you and the fact that I was able to set up a summit, that wasn't possible. I had to go to the office to do the books. I had to go to the office to speak to a client. I had to go to the office. I had my mobile phone, but at the time that was that big thing, you know, the <laughs> old Nokia version. <laughs> Where you were happy that you had something weighing almost a kilo, but now nowadays it's different. But we are in a society where you know tech is changing, is creating a lot of possibilities, but also realizing that keep on learning, keep on developing, find ways to uh, even though you're thinking about staying, what courses can you do, what training can you do now to. Create that valuable um, knowledge. Create that valuable or uh, make, yourself in, um, no, make yourself more valuable for your future uh, manager or for the future company that you're going to work for. And keep on training your, your l and mindset because never not learning, never not learning. So thank you. Now I want to go to the managers, right? So Cece, I will start with you. Are there two tips or two practices that you can share with the managers so that they can prevent their people from leaving? If a person is thinking about I'm okay here, but. There's something that my manager is not doing, and it forces me to maybe think outside of the box, maybe think to move from a department. What tip would you share with the managers?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of people talked about, and we've all heard it, right? People don't quit the company, they mm. quit their manager. So mm-hmm. they play such an important role. And I feel like, you know, we hear about it all the time. Nowadays, mm-hmm. like communication is super important. But yeah, we all know that, right? But the reason why people don't communicate, cannot share like, or be open about what's really in their mind, because mm. there's no trust, you know? Like there's we talk about like having trust, and be in a safe place. Like if we really think about these two words, so important. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's in, important to establish that. Otherwise, yeah, forget about communication. We, I might be sitting there with someone, but I'm not telling you the truth. So you get nothing exactly. from me. So I think, yeah. So I think that that's my thought.
0: <laughs> Psychological safety is everything. It's everything. So thank you for highlighting that. Thank you. And Denise. Well, I'm going to take a little different of tact. I, I think
2: employees basically want to know that they can win. They can achieve their goals. And at work, they want to feel like they contribute. Mm-hmm. And I think one, as I work in corporations with leaders um, on a regular basis, I think this ability for managers to move obstacles out of the way so employees can do good work. Is, is something that we need to really focus our time on, particularly in leadership development, and to, and and oftentimes, particularly. So a lot. Some of my clients are in retail. You've probably seen the post. You're you know the guests who are listening in on it have seen the post where they walk in and you know somebody's screaming at them, you know, because they didn't have the right product there. Um, the the lights are not working. I had one one manager who went from just coaching their employees to be good salesperson and customer service people to they had to figure out how to get money in there. They had to fix the lighting. They had to bring cookies and water because the restroom was down the road. They had to have masks on. They had to wow. get sanitizers in. And so the job turned into not just um, you know, one thing, which is what they started with. And then the big thing was the trucks would come at the wrong time. So they were in there unloading a truck. So imagine a five foot one woman trying to unload a truck, of product for one week because they scheduled it wrong. She couldn't get other people in there. And so these barriers to operation and being able to move barriers of operations so that people can win is a very important thing. And I think for many companies and many executives, they tell people what to do, but they don't really understand what are the barriers that keep people from being able to be successful in their job. And loyalty comes from when I know you got my back. Yeah. Trust comes, I will go over the moon if I know that you are, that you have my back and that you can do something. Good intention is not is what we judge people on. I believe all people are of good intention. However, sometimes their behavior, not so consistent. No. And so I think this idea of what lead managers and leaders can do is they can really start tackling some of these things I get in a way of people feeling like they can they can win. Yeah,
0: I love what you're sharing. And in media, I wonder when when people guest speakers are talking, but I love to do that. But immediately reminds me of undercover boss. Yeah, right. Then they see when they become undercover, then people feel like they can share and they can open up, but they can also see all the barriers that are laying there, which they. Never heard from when they were sitting in the ivory tower. So mm-hmm. I would say, if there would be a possibility to be on the cover or or support those or work with the people that are working from the ground, why not go there and have a conversation with them about how can you uplift the culture? What can you do to to support them, especially now in these challenging times? Uh, the pandemic has been a, is is a very serious a challenge for everyone, why not ask the people, what can you do to support them to make their work better so that they can work better as well? So thank you, Denise, for highlighting that. Mark.
3: The question to ask is why are people working for you or your company? Because if it's just for the paycheck, Mm -hmm. there is another company out there offering a bigger paycheck. Mm. People have different types of motivations. Money is certainly part of it. And for some money is the primary driver, but there are other motivations people have for being there, understanding the motivations of individual employees and how you can align your needs, the company's needs to those motivations will help create better engagement. And it's not just, well, I'll stay here until I find a bigger paycheck. Mm -hmm. The second thing you can do is you can upskill and engage all your employees, And here again, I'm going to mention another free resource. And by the way, the resources I'm mentioning, I have nothing to sell. These I give away for free. I'm not a consultant. I'm not trying to sell anything (laughs) here. But on the resources page of the Career Toolkit book website, there is a free download for how you can create a peer learning program at your organization, at Mm -hmm. the team level, department level, company level, where you can engage all of your employees, upskill all of them while creating better internal relationships and a better experience for them at little or no cost to you. And now the equation changes from you're working here for a paycheck to we care about you, we want to help upskill you, help you on your path, and employees will want to stay with those companies longer.
0: I love that. Is the peer that you're me- mentioning, is is that similar to mentoring?
3: It's different than mentoring. Mm -hmm. The technique for this, it's akin to how we teach these skills at MIT and how top business schools teach it. You Mm -hmm. bring together a number of people from different backgrounds. I recommend groups of about six to eight people, but there are ways to scale it up. And then you take some topic and you can use content from a book, like one from some of our authors here. You can use an article, a video. You can use a podcast. It doesn't matter where you get the content from. Everyone engages with that content. And then you have a discussion about to get the different perspectives, to talk about how people have implemented this, to go beyond just, well, the book said ABC, but let's talk about the reality of implementing that. And that's where you get a deeper understanding and the development of these skills.
0: Great tip. And I would say, use this conversation as a starter for the peer conversation so that you can have a further conversation about what it means if... 40%, 41% 40 percent 41 percent of your team would leave that that is a huge impact mm-hmm. if if you have a team of 10 people and four people would leave but still the work remains for 10 mm-hmm. still your clients is meant for that whole team how are you going to solve that and on top of dealing with the stress on top of finding new people on top of so many other challenges so I am curious about CC, um what would you do if four people if your team was 10 people and four people were leaving tomorrow
1: wow what would i do Mm. well that's all right well let me well intuitive let me let let me tell you what i have in Mm -hmm. my mind usually what i've seen is people leave in groups Mm. But if four is leaving i can almost see the other four or the rest of the group is out the door like anytime soon right oh my god i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> Well, I, well, I, I, of course, I'm gonna try to save this for, because it's gonna make a huge difference. And I think, and and then, you know, I think it's almost too late if they're like leaving. Oh my god, you know, these things doesn't like just like, you wake up one day and decide to leave. Like people have been thinking about it. These things, you know, you know these feelings like have been accumulated. So I don't know what I'm gonna do.
0: <laughs> it is challenging. It is challenging. <laughs> and sometimes people need to leave. Sometimes they need to be uh, set free so mm-hmm. that there's room for growth for other people. But if four people are leaving at once, it signals something.
1: Well, yeah, I think I still wanted to know why have a conversation. My point here is like, I don't think, you know, it's almost like too late to rescue the mm. relationship. You gotta have to let them go. Um. Yeah, Cece, um, sorry, Denise, what would you do?
2: Um, I think the first thing I do is I, I gotta look at the work and say what work isn't gonna get done. I'm not going to kill the others that are there. And yeah. then I think the second thing is what CC was hinting at is that you got to look at the other six and you got to sit down and have a conversation of what is, what's getting in the way and how they're going to go. Because she's right. People tend, you know, if you got four leaving, they generally won't leave on one day. But you mm-hmm. got the signal at two, you should have been doing something. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> out of this thing and I think you have to have a conversation with them but I think you gotta you know if four people walked out of my door now I've got to really look at how I'm going to help the other six feel like they're winning and they're not drowning Why I try and figure out how to bring in temporary resources or um, figure out you know how to handle those customers in a different way or set new set expectations for my customers etc. For me, it's always, you know, having been in HR, it's always working with that manager to figure out how do we think about the work differently, um, set new expectations, we figure out what's not getting done, and how do we, you know, how do we pivot in the moment?
0: That's a valuable thing that you and CC also share, because mo- majority of the time we focus on the gap, right? We don't focus on what the people that are still there where the people are still there, feel the stress, or get that workload where they have to now compensate for the work that their other, their former colleagues have been doing, right? So that's a very valuable thing um, because you don't know what you got till it's gone. And once (laughs) they are gone, yeah, I'm I'm listening to too many songs here. (laughs) But once, once they are gone, what are you doing about the rest? How are you supporting them and how are you, you know, helping them develop? Because if not, they will also get the idea think about, hmm, maybe I need to leave as well. Mark?
3: I used to do counterterrorism work. And in that field, (laughs) we teach that by the time the actor has put on the bomb Mm -hmm. and head towards a target, you're probably too late. The best time to stop yeah. them was long ago. <laughs> to Cece's point, by the time they're saying, I'm leaving,
0: mm-hmm.
3: that's it. They've probably accepted a new job. They've mentally gone there. You needed to stop it beforehand. Yeah. And there's a story I tell everyone I hire. When I join a company, I share the story and I tell it to, to folks I hire. So my father was a doctor. Mm-hmm. And on his first job, when he was looking to leave, he said to his manager, you know, I'm starting to look for something new. I want to let you know so you can begin to hire my replacement. He wanted to make it easier for his manager, for the other doctors to even worry about patient welfare so they're not understaffed. And his manager replied, well, you can start looking today, you're fired. Yeah. Right, and now my father was helping out his boss and this is how his boss responded. As a manager, it only helps me if you tell me this. Mm -hmm. And so I tell the story, I say, look, you can always talk to me. And if you're getting frustrated, if you're thinking of leaving, let's talk, let's have that discussion. And I'm going to see, can I steer you away from it? Can I change whatever is wrong to keep you? That's your chance to stop the exit. Now, there still might be some inevitability. I had one person who said, listen, my wife just got into law school. We're going to move cross country in six months. Mm -hmm. And this is before remote work was quite as feasible. There was no stopping him. But that's fine. Even in that case, great. That gives me a heads up and I can plan. But to do this, you have to have that trust that CeCe and Denise were mentioning earlier. You have to build that trust that they know I'm not going to say you're fired. I'm not going to say, oh, you know what? I was going to send you to this conference, but not anymore. I have to still treat them the same and they have to trust that I am going to do that. But when you have that, you get the earlier signals and you can stop the problem before it becomes a full blown problem.
0: That's a very interesting thing, because in my mind, when you were sharing that, I was thinking like, okay, (laughs) that person is fired within one day because the moment that somebody not all workplaces are that safe or relationships are that safe with their leaders where people can feel like they can share. So I hope that, you know, in the near future, uh, tomorrow, that we will come to a place where we were able to share like um it's not you but i need to leave or it is you i need to leave or come to a place where i found something better i'm leaving right i'm leaving within a few months it will give you enough space and don't build that that ill situation in the meantime because that can happen as well where where in the beginning you know the relationship is good but then something happens where they are just like, I don't care anymore because I'm leaving anyway, right? That's also something that you want to prevent from happening. So thank you, uh, Mark, for sharing. And we are almost at the end. I do have a wish. I know that 2022 is knocking on our doors, but then again, 2025, three years from now, I have a wish and I hope to hear your wish. And I'll start with you, Mark. What are your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and this whole topic about the great resignation? What do you hope to see?
3: That we start to recognize the relationship between employees and employers is mm. not just about a paycheck. Mm. It is about development. It's about culture. It's about work-life balance. It's a lot of these components. And we have honest conversations saying, okay, yes, I want this salary perhaps, but here are the things I also want. And companies recognize they have to provide it. They even tout it. And they recognize that my development might be part of what I am getting. And this is part of the HR benefits offered to employees. And so we're changing the discussion from it's just about money to it is about our overall happiness, engagement, and success.
0: I like that. And I also want to add something to what you just shared right now. Also look into the phases that people are, right? Like CC shared in the beginning, people might start within your company as single, or maybe they are joining your company as parents, or maybe they are caregivers. Look into the different phases that they have so that you can support them in that area as well. So thank you. Denise. I think you know,
2: the best thing that we can do is if we hit 2025 and we see a real push towards being able to problem solve, and instead of looking at what the, the metrics say, we really start looking at what, it, what are the inputs necessary, what do people have mm-hmm. to do, what skills are people looking at, and I think to, you know, to, a, to a big extent, I would love to be able to see where the HR process does not make the manager the be-all, end-all. So hmm. managers go to school to learn how to run operations and to be good at managing people, but they really aren't career development people. They, they can so give you their- So what are you saying?
0: To... No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm real about this. So what are you saying? Do you want an extra person from HR or somebody who sits, um, how do you say, next to the manager and look at the careers? What, what are you- I think employees
2: on? need to- Employees, everyone, CEO down, mm-hmm. needs to understand that you are, you know, you are the person who has to be the one, the primary mm-hmm. driver of what success at work looks like, and what it means from a career perspective. And I think that you have to, you know, if a company, if we're talking about what a company can do, you know, HR can spend some time aggregating what's already in the market. They don't need to build anything. Aggregate mm. what's in the market. Um, you know, go to Mark's website. Here's, 20, here's free tools that mm-hmm. he's giving away that says, you know, here's how you can do it. But this idea that the company is going to take care of me, the company is going to manage my career. My boss is the person who's going to tell me what I'm good at and, and love to do. And he's yeah. going to provide, he or she is going to provide the right. I mean, we have to kill that idea yeah. because we are evolving individuals. We're going to have needs that we don't even know we're going to need. Because the world is changing. We're gonna to want to work in places that we don't know that we're gonna work in today. And we're gonna we're gonna be community-oriented as well as work-oriented. And I think the ownership about our career and what inclusion looks like and what equity looks like, we individually have to get better at answering the questions of what do I want to be? How do I want to live? And where do I where do I want to do my best work? So that's, I, that's my... I
0: love that. And also know that managers are human, or at things. least I assume leaders are also human. They cannot read your brain. They mm-hmm. cannot read your minds. So if you're seeing something that you don't like, ask them, is there a budget to upskill? Is there a budget to train? Or what do I need to do to become XYZ? Ask them and then see what happens if they are not you know saying anything or not doing anything regarding to that i would say listen to this episode and then take you know your necessary steps to upskill well, but isn't or... that isn't that kind of the crux of,
2: not to cut you off but the crux of this whole thing around inclusion that the manager is doling out to other individuals but they're not including me yeah you have not because you ask not yeah and i know it's tough to ask but if you don't know and you don't ask you mm-hmm. don't get
0: on that note, CC. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I I hope in 2025, we don't talk about this anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, this would just be intuitively, you know, people just get it, been doing it. Because I think right now, like, yeah, so I hope that people get the the importance of, you know, investing in relationships, specifically, you know, the importance of employee engagement. Because let's let's be honest right like okay and like you don't expect someone to stay with you for 10 years no right? that those days are over <laughs> but, <laughs> right but you do want them to give you 100% maybe a thousand percent while they're there right and when they leave you want them to ha- maintain this good relationship good feeling mm-hmm. because they do like I've seen so many times people leave but then they bring you clients in the future and yeah. then keep in mind also like someone who does grow up you know, like some of them, they leave as a young person. Maybe, maybe later on, they became an executive. These relationships thus pay off in the long term. So yeah, I 2025, let's not talk. I, about I, I love what you shared. And also, when
0: people leave, have a good heart-to-heart conversation with them. Invite them for coffee or tea and talk with them. Why? did you leave what can I do to improve what can I do to make it better for the next generation and also invest in your alumni. because you never know if they become they come back you never know if they become a client or you never know if they become your best referral right so let's let's sit on that thought thank you so much CC Mark and Denise for this conversation I hope that the audience that are watching or uh, watching the replay or listening to this episode are really thinking about what they can do regarding the great resignation and also reflect on yourself. What action can you do instead of pointing your fingers to the manager or the organizational? Thank you. And until next time, this was Let's Humanize the Workplace. Bye, everybody. Thanks.